Good evening, good evening. This is the lovely podcast, God's Holy Word. This is episode 5, and we are taking a look at this wonderful series called The Goodness of God. This is part 4 of this series. We are going to finish up Psalm 106, and I am reading from the New International Version. This is the Leadership Bible. It's a good one for sure, so do get yourself a copy. We're going to start with verse 24 in Psalm 106. And finish all the way to the end, which will be in verse 48. So let's go ahead and get started and take a look at this. It says, Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. So he swore to them with uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the wilderness, make their descendants fall among the nations, and scatter them throughout the lands. They yoked themselves to the ball of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They aroused the Lord's anger by their wicked deeds, and a plague broke out, broke out amongst them. But Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was checked. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. By the waters of Meribah they angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them, for they rebelled against the spirit of God. And rash words came from Moses' lips. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds they prostituted themselves. Therefore the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into the hands of the nations and their foes ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant and out of his great love he relented. He caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning of this and look at several different things throughout these verses, things that kind of jump out at you. So this is a form of... of meditation and understanding God's word, growing in his wisdom, seeking his wisdom and guidance, and the psalms are a great tool to do this. So I want to start by saying that if you are not completely sure about your faith or if you don't believe in God or or if you're on shaky ground in terms of what you believe in or maybe you are a Christian but you've been away from the church, you know, whatever church you attended, you've been away from God for a while. Whenever people hear scriptures like this and they've been away from God for a while, it can kind of scare them. But let me tell you this, what we just read is poetical, but it's also a historical account of what the Israelites did and did not do. And this goes back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus and Deuteronomy and a little bit of um Joshua. Is what this is referring to because this is referring to the Israelites that were freed from Pharaoh's grip of slavery and they're making their way through the desert. So again, this journey should have taken maybe 11 or 12 days from Egypt to the promised land. 
But because of the Israelites' sin and their indifference and their rebellion, it took 40 years to get to their destination because they kept rebelling against God. And so whenever you hear or read or see scriptures like this that seem kind of harsh, just remember that a lot of this is historical. It's telling us what happened way back many years ago at the beginning of our Judeo-Christian faith. And also, when you read things like this, it's important to not be fearful, but instead look at it as a road map of what not to do. So if the Israelites are rebelling against God, the thing that we can take away from that immediately is don't rebel against God. Live in the goodness of God. Don't run away from God. Run to God because he is loving, he is good, he is kind. So let's go ahead and dive into this verse by verse. And the first one it says, "Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise." What I find interesting about this is that it says they despised the pleasant land. You know, whenever we lose heart and we lose our faith, sometimes it's it's very easy, it's a trap to start to hate the thing that you want the most. And when you fall out of alignment with God, when you turn your back on God and you don't believe in his promise on your life anymore, that's when the devil gets a hold of you. That's when the enemy really tries to weigh in on your mind and tell you you're not worthy, you know, God has failed you, and then you start to hate everything that God ever said or did. And that's what happened here. So the Israelites, they fell into a trap, and it starts in the mind. Because whatever you think about is what you pray about, or maybe what you think about, you're going to lose heart and maybe not pray anymore. But God was always calling them to believe in him, to believe in the promise. And also know that there there is a promised land. You just have to get there. You just have to keep walking forward. But the Israelites did not keep walking forward in the way that they were supposed to, the way that God called them to. Because God's way is easy. Our sin makes our life very difficult, and that's what happened here. And so it goes on to say they grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. So what this is referring to in verse 25 is referring to when the Israelites were told by God and by Moses, stand upright, go out and fight these people. I am giving this land to you. God is giving the land to the Hebrews, to the Israelites, but they have to go out and fight these enemies. Unfortunately, what the Hebrews, the Israelites did was they didn't want to go out and fight. And then when they did finally sober up so to speak and go out and fight, they completely lost and some of their people were slaughtered because God told them when to fight, but they decide when they wanted to fight. So then God was not for them. He did not protect them. So if you do what God says and you do it in God's timing, he will guard you and protect you all the days of your life. But if you if you turn away from God, that's where we tend to have a lot of problems in our life. And I've experienced that myself when when I don't follow what I'm supposed to do. Like if I have doubt, fear or worry, none of that comes from God. You know, that that comes from from the enemy. He wants us to doubt, he wants us to fear, he wants us to worry because then it distracts us from the blessings of God because the enemy doesn't want us to be blessed. He wants us to be cursed. So you have to choose the blessing. Cuz otherwise if you don't choose the blessing, then technically you've chosen the curse. You've chosen something outside of God's covenant. And we are none, none of us are called to do that. We are called to choose the blessing and to walk in God's way. So it says here, so he swore to them with uplifted hand, meaning he's going to smite them, that he would make them fall in the wilderness, make their descendants fall among the nations and scatter them throughout the lands. So what it's saying here is referring back to when the Israelites turned their back on God, they did not do what he said, and he said, "Look, 
if you don't do what I say to do, this is what's going to happen. So God's trying to get them to the promised land, but they keep turning their back on God. And it wasn't just simple stuff that they did. You know, all sin is bad, but some of their sins were really bad. They started worshiping pagan gods, like pagan images, you know, images made out of wood or stone or, you know, definitely not marble because they were out in the wilderness. But they were putting anything and everything between them and God, and that's what got them into trouble. So then it goes on to say they yoked themselves to the ball of Peor, which is a god, and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. Meaning whatever you're putting between yourself and God is lifeless because anything outside of God's will will lead you to death and ruin eventually. There but there are different types of death. You know, when we think of death, we think of physical death, but there's also spiritual death. Like when we're not walking in Christ Jesus or we're not walking with him, we are spiritually dead and sometimes our life will wither away but it's better to choose life not death and everything so it talks here it goes on to say they aroused the lord's anger by their wicked deeds and a plague broke out amongst them it goes on to say but phinehas stood up and intervened and the plague was checked meaning the plague stopped because this man stood up and and, and uh, against all odds he stood up and intervened which that takes a lot of guts to do that especially when you're dealing with a whole lot of people that are turning away from God and he's trying to help turn to God and I look at that as a how how I word this it's like you know you may be in a work environment where you're surrounded by not very good people who constantly make bad decisions and maybe they are not very moral and they don't have very good values but you know that may be frustrating to you and me as followers of Christ Jesus but at the same time it's a golden opportunity to stand up for Christ That doesn't mean we walk in with our Bible and start thumping people in the head with it. You know, your actions and your deeds speak louder than just being a Bible thumper, as they say. And so it's important that when we have these moments in our life where we might very well be the only one standing up for what's right, that's when we really should stand up for what's right. And here's why. It goes on to say this was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. So what this is saying here. This man that stood up and intervened not only did he go against the grain and you have to remember millions of Israelites were released from Egypt. So he's going up against quite a few people. He's the only one that's really standing up for what's right within the camp besides Moses and Aaron and some of their family members. And so here's the thing, when you stand up for what's right and you believe with your whole heart that God is good and you're going to fulfill his destiny and his calling upon your life and you and you're you're doing in the face of of um, adversity god will greatly reward you and we see that here so not only is he going to reward phinehas but he's going to reward his generations it says for endless generations to come so whenever you do what's right not only do you receive an extra blessing from god but so do your children that are already born and those that are not born and if you're someone that doesn't have children maybe you've been told you can't have children don't believe that lie Go to your heavenly Father with that. Just take the medical report up in prayer and say, "Lord, this is what the medical report says. This is what my doctor says. I'm not against doctors, but this is what they're saying. I know that you know they have their science and medical training, but I know you are the God of miracles, and I know you can give me a baby. So if you are in that situation, I would go directly to God and ask for children, and just know that when you stand up and do the right thing against all odds, especially in those moments of, of uh, adversity. God will supernaturally bless you and bless your children and bless your unborn children. 
and just hold fast to that promise because that promise applies to you and me in Christ Jesus because when we are in Christ Jesus we are written in the lamb's book of life our names are and we are part of that covenant between God and Abraham because you have to remember this applies to the God of Abraham the God of Isaac the God of Jacob and the God of Joshua so just know who you are in Christ Jesus because when you know who you are in Christ Jesus fear cannot overtake you It may bother you, but you have the choice to rebuke it or allow it into your heart. So I encourage you, regardless of your circumstance, take note that it's important that you stand firm on the Holy Word of God and His promises. And that's why the Israelites failed here was that they did not hold fast to the promise of God. They just went on human understanding. Well, human understanding is not always the best. It's not the worst per se, but God calls us to a higher understanding and that higher understanding is within his wisdom and his guidance and it comes from his holy word because God's holy word will never lead you astray. Never, never, never. So then it goes on to say by the waters of Meribah they angered the Lord and trouble came to Moses because of them. What I find interesting here is that and trouble came to Moses because of them. So because of what these people were doing, they were not obeying God they were actually committing grave sins it actually in a way got Moses in trouble so when the people were punished so was Moses and so because of the things these people were doing Moses did not get to uh, enter into the promised land he was not allowed into it because of this and i'm just reminded that you know sometimes when people have our back and they stand up for us we need to realize that when someone is intervening for us They are taking a huge risk. They are taking a huge risk of defending us because they're putting their character and their future on the line for us when we may be in the wrong. Either way, whether we are in the right or in the wrong, when someone intervenes for us, we need to recognize that that's the goodness of God and he is sending us someone to help us. Another believer, someone that really wants to do God's will. So it's important don't turn on people that are trying to help us. you know cuz that that's a trap in itself the enemy will use your negative thoughts against you and he will help to to create a false dialogue in your mind which will get you to question the good intentions of good people in your life because if satan can turn you against people that actually love you then he's already winning a war in your mind and that's not good because technically the you know the devil's already lost He's a loser. He was thrown out of heaven. He's in the depths of hell. He knows his fate, but he's trying to drag you and me down with him. So don't let him do that. Just look at it this way. He's a loser and we are on the winning side because we have Jesus Christ as our advocate and our defender. So don't ever give up the most wonderful and beautiful advocate that you have and that is Jesus Christ. That is God's only begotten son and he loves you very much. So then it goes on to say for they rebelled against the spirit of God and rash words came from Moses's lips. Now, this is another reason why Moses did not get into the promised land. It's because he spoke rash words. So whenever you feel like something bad is going to come out of your mouth and you're not controlling your emotions and your thoughts, that's when really bad words can can come out of your mouth, whether they're curse words or just extremely negative words because whatever you speak you're bringing life to that situation whether it's good or bad. So everything that comes out of your mouth needs to be good, holy and true. And it's one of those things, if you can't say something nice, zip it up. And that's very difficult sometimes, but just remember, your words have action to them, especially in the spiritual world. 
like we may think of words as just not really meaning much these days but they mean so much they really do i mean just look at how easily people are offended these days and most of it's online like if words didn't mean anything we wouldn't have so many libel lawsuits and things like that but you know just look at it this way words mean a lot in our natural world you know in in the human world here but words mean even more in the supernatural world which is where our heavenly father is and we need to remember that what we say needs to be speaking the truth about God that doesn't mean that the only thing that comes out of your mouth are bible verses because people are going to think you're crazy if you can't ever talk about the weather or you can't talk about something else because we're not called to isolate ourselves but what i'm referring to is that whatever comes out of your mouth needs to reflect the goodness of God which means regardless of whether you are speaking about the faith or you're speaking about a situation your light of Christ that is living within your body you know your soul it needs to radiate out of you the goodness of God regardless of your circumstance and regardless of the situation that you're in and this is what this is referring to because Moses failed here he failed in this moment because he was so frustrated and i can only imagine his frustration all these people turning on him and he's trying to get them to the promised land and he like they keep rebelling against god and then they keep turning on Aaron and Moses and they're trying to help them so It's important to remember that when you get frustrated, take a step back, take a deep breath, give your situation to God, and then keep walking forward. Because if you stay stuck in your frustration, that's where really bad things will come out of your mouth, and your words have re- uh, repercussions because they have actions backed behind them. Whether we like that or not, all of our words produce some sort of action to them. It goes on to say they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them. but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. What this is referring to is when the Israelites they were commanded by God to go to battle against these peoples that were in the way when they were trying to get to the promised land. And these peoples um they were pagan, most of them were very evil, and instead of going out to battle against them because the Lord was going to help them win. He was going to be in front of them and behind them and he was going to help them defeat these peoples. But instead of defeating them, They grumbled in their tents. They didn't want to go out and fight. And instead of doing what God called them to do, they they mingled amongst these nations. So basically, they they adopted their cultures and then they adopted their behavior. And it was the direct opposite of God's holy will and God's holy word. And what that reminds me of is whenever we settle for less than God's best, it almost always leads to ruin. So always seek God's best, especially in your daily life, because that's what I do. with mine and, I, and it took me a long time to realize that that hey your daily actions speak louder than just your long-term goals. So it's important to walk with Christ every day of our life big time. It goes on to say they worshiped says here they worshiped their idols which became a snare to them. So what we need to remember here is that whatever we worship will eventually if it's not God it will eventually ruin our life. It will deter us from where we're supposed to go. And whatever we worship when it's outside of the covenant of God, it will ensnare us because whatever is worshiped outside of God, it's not from God. So if you're worshiping something that's not of God, you're setting yourself up for a trap. That's what it means that it will ensnare them. It goes on to say they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to idols of Canaan, and the land was desecrated by their blood. What this is referring to is the pagan nations that were living in the land, they were living in those valleys, 
And God asked them or told them, "Hey, you need to go fight these people because they are they are not of my chosen people and they are choosing to do really a, a horrible abominations and I will fight for you and defend you, but you've got to go out there and defeat these people." So, instead of defeating these enemies, they went ahead and just adopted these horrible pagan just very gruesome acts. And so, you know, here's the thing. However, this God did not want any of this sin to get into the promised land because he he wants only the best for us. So God's not going to allow impure things in the promised land just like how impure things do not and will not ever exist in heaven. So God was calling them to a good life, a pleasant life, to a wonderful land, you know, flowing with milk and honey. But they they sacrificed that when they started worshiping these other gods and literally literally started killing their children. And one thing that this brings to mind is that a lot of these pagan um idols and these pagan ways of worshiping, they were also used as a form of birth control back then. And so if there were families that did not want um to have any more children but they end up having another child, they would just sacrifice it to one of their gods. so they could get rid of the the child but also they could kind of fulfill a false prophecy of worshiping this false idol so you know you need to understand that when god was asking the israelites to fight these people it was not because these people were nice or great they were actually quite horrible so for the israelites to turn their back on god and start worshiping the these pagan false gods and then literally sacrificing their own flesh and blood was really quite evil in the eyes of God. I mean, it was really bad. So there's a reason why he did not allow the original generation of Israelites into the promised land. The only two that he did allow was Caleb and Joshua. However, they had to wait 40 years before they could get in because of the sins of these people, because their sins were so grave. I mean, they kept repenting and going back to God, and he kept forgiving them, but he did not want any outs of this pagan religion to enter into the promised land because he didn't want their future generations to have these same issues. He didn't want them to have the same problems because he didn't want their people to be cursed. He wanted them to be truly blessed. So, the main group of people that got into the promised land were their children, their children's children and all these future generations that we talk about. So then goes on to say they defiled themselves by what they did. By their by their deeds they prostituted themselves. Therefore the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into into the hands of the nations and their foes ruled over them. What that's talking about is that whenever the Israelites turned their back on God and they were worshiping uh false gods and doing really bad things, he no longer had his hedge of protection around them. Because he's trying to let them know, "Hey, when you live outside my covenant, we've got some serious problems." and because you're breaking the covenant then I can't honor that covenant by protecting you. And then they would repent and go back to him and then when they repented and went back to God then that shield of protection went back up because they were living in the covenant of God instead of turning their back to him they were going to him they were going towards him. Goes on to say their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. What I find interesting here with this is that You know, whenever you settle for less than God's best, you are adopting someone else's way of life or another way of life or another type of lifestyle that is not what God has for us. And what's interesting is that whenever you just go with the crowd as they say, you're 
you're almost always not ever going to be seen as the same of those original people because those people that pulled you away from your good lifestyle and pulled you away from God they're always going to know you as a Christian and they're not going to respect you because you're a fallen Christian because you fall away from the from the religion that you claimed to, to be so great well that's what happened here the israelites turned their back on god adopted these really horrific ways of worshiping false idols and then the very practices that they were practicing the peoples that taught them that they turned on them overtook them and oppressed them so the people that they tried to mimic their way of life they turned on them and oppressed them so that's what happens when you don't live in god's best and you don't honor his word you know you have to be careful who you're trying to become because if you're trying to become your enemy your enemy will turn on you because they don't love you when when you do everything you can to follow god and do his will you cannot fail even if it gets tough you cannot fail because he will guard and protect you goes on to say many times he delivered them but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin What I get out of that is that sin will always lead to death and ruin one way or another. And the number one way that we die is spiritual death, meaning we are pulled away from God, you know, for long periods of time and then hopefully we wake up and realize, "Hey, I need to go back to God because life and death is in the power of the tongue." So if you speak death over yourself, meaning if you turn away from God, you're speaking death over yourself and you're not going to live in the blessing of God, which is very unfortunate and not smart. So it's better to speak life over yourself and life comes from God because he gave us life and that's part of the blessing. So always choose life over death because then you will be super and abundantly blessed. It says here yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant and out of his great love he relented. So even though his people did really horrible things, he still heard their cry. He felt their pain. He remembered the promise, the covenant that he has with Abraham. He remembered that covenant that he made with his holy people. And so he forgave them every single time. And what I find interesting is that even though his people were doing really horrible things, he didn't close off his ears. He didn't say, "I'm not going to listen to these people. They're making me so angry. I don't care what they say anymore." No, he listened to them. He heard their cry. He heard their anguish. Why? Because they are his children. and he's never going to throw away his children. He's always going to go after them, seek them out, try and bring them back into the fold, bring them back into God's holy family because he would rather have a repentant person come back to him than someone who doesn't ever care to look at God. And someone that never cares to believe in God. Like it's important that we always go back to God that way we can move forward and have a blessed life. That's what it's talking about here. It says he caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. So even when they were in their distress and they were still being oppressed, God caused their enemies and their oppressors to be kind to them. So look at it this way. Let's say you're at a job and you can't stand your boss. When you pray for your boss and you pray for the people that you work with, the people that are mean to you, God will find a way to get them to be super nice and kind to you. He might even have one of your enemies, someone that you work with, he might have them promote you. There are so many amazing things that God can do in your life. So don't ever throw that promise away. Don't ever throw your faith away because that's worth holding on to for sure. Always, always, always. And then it this next part is where the people's are speaking to God. 
It says, save us, Lord, our God, and gather us from the nations. So they want to be brought back into the fold. They don't want to be under these oppressive people anymore. It says that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. So they're coming back to the fold. They know that God exists. They know that he loves them. And they they know that he is holy and only he is holy. And only our Heavenly Father deserves glory and praise. Nothing else. No other God deserves that. Only the one true God deserves that. goes on to say, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Meaning, you know, it's like the Alpha and Omega. God is forever there, always present. And so if he's always there and always present, his love and his mercy and his grace are always there for us because he loves us. And then it ends with, let all the people say amen, praise the Lord. So when you say amen, that is basically saying, I agree, I take it, I receive it. Is what that means. And also, so let it be done is what it means. It means I agree with it. So when you say amen, you're saying, I want these good things to come into my life. So that's why you need to be careful what kind of prayers you pray. And I say this because I was once in a religion, a Christian religion. I'm not going to say the denomination, but I was once going to a church that had very negative prayers. And I, I didn't realize how bad they were until I reread the Bible again. And I started listening to very positive messages because I noticed my attitude was becoming negative in terms of spirituality. And so I changed what church I was going to and my prayer life got so much better. And so what was happening at this other church was it was always, if it be thy will, Father, we're not worthy, all this browbeating stuff that is not true at all. And it dawned on me that, hey, what we think and what we pray about is what we want to come to pass. And, you know, if you want to be treated like dirt, guess what? That's what you're going to get if that's what you speak and if that's what you pray for. You know, the enemy loves to hear when people don't want good things in their life. He loves it when we feel oppressed, depressed, when we feel weak and discouraged, and when we fall into that trap of just accepting that kind of lifestyle You know, you have to start praying really good prayers. Make sure they're always positive, even when you're upset. Like, say, for example, you have a medical, a medical report that you don't like. It came back negative. It came back bad. Just start saying, Father, Father God, I need you. I've received this report, but I thank you that I am in the palm of your hand, and I thank you that my healing is on the way if it hasn't happened already. I know that you love me, you're taking care of me, and this should not hinder me. This is not going to make me fearful because I know that I'm wonderfully and fearfully made in your image. Those are the kind of prayers you need to say as opposed to, oh, Lord, if it be thy will, heal me. It is his will. That word if, I think, needs to be banned from the English language, especially when we're talking about faith, because if leads to doubt. And that's what happened to me. Like, even though I was praying a lot, I mean a lot, But my prayers were so Debbie Downer because I didn't think I was worthy of being healed. I didn't think I was worthy of all this stuff. And then it dawned on me, where did that come from? Because I used to never think on worthy thoughts, ever. I used to never think depressing thoughts. And then it dawned on me, the religion that I'm practicing is preaching to me every time I go to church that I'm not worthy. And that's not what God says. God says I am worthy. I mean, if he can lead my ancestors, my spiritual ancestors, out of Egypt and get them to the promised land, part the Red Sea for them, do all these beautiful, wonderful things for them, then, then why wouldn't I be worthy to receive his love and his grace and his abundance? You know, you have to look at things that way. So if you're in a church that's not promoting the goodness of God, I would strongly suggest that you leave and go elsewhere because 
If you're not hearing the good things of God, then one thing I would ask myself is, what am I being taught? And you know, why is someone teaching me the incorrect way to look at my heavenly Father? Because because God loves His children, no matter what. But He also is a gentleman. God is a gentleman, and He expects us, as adults, even though we are His children, He expects us to make the right choice. You know, He expects us to understand. that he he is everlasting from age to age he is everlasting and his love and mercy is always there but if we're not willing to partake in that love and mercy then what what are we going to have in our life fear doubt worry anxiety depression like i don't want any of that in my life because that's all bad stuff i only want good stuff and you have to strive for the good so that you can conquer the bad and throw out the bad You know, it really is that simple of a choice. And once I realized that, my life got so much better, absolutely so much better. Like I hardly ever have any kind of worry, doubts, or fears. I mean, every once in a while, a thought will come up. I'm like, no, I'm not tolerating that. I I choose to believe in the goodness of God no matter what. And it has greatly improved my life. My lifestyle has completely changed. My faith walk with Jesus Christ has greatly improved. and it's just knowing that you are blessed and that you are worthy of God's love that means so much to me but i wasn't being taught that so i kind of had to go out and seek it kind of had to teach myself a little bit and then i had to get around like-minded people and once you get around like-minded people that really believe in the goodness of God and they truly believe in everything that God says that will lead to so much of a better life and so many miracles so many blessings because there is abundance in heaven and god wants to bestow that abundance upon us his children because we are believers in Christ Jesus like that's part of the covenant so for sure recognize that when you are a believer in Christ Jesus you are part of that covenant going back way 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 far back in biblical times and those blessings apply to you and to me So you might as well open your loving arms to God and run to him so he can give you a hug in his loving arms. He's not going to withhold things from you. And it's one of those things like everything he does is good and holy. And because it's good and holy, you can take it to the bank that it, it is always going to bless you and help you every day of your life. So I pray that that greatly helps you because it greatly helps me. So we are done with Psalm 106. Um I will figure out what next one we can we can read and talk about cuz it's really good. I love God's holy word. But until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole and that you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
task from the small 